Good afternoon. This is the Hermit of Lock Ear. Today is June 14th, 2022. This is going to be one of the most difficult uh, podcasts I've ever done, and it will at least be two parts. I won't be surprised if it's in three parts. Now, I never intended for this to be this way. I started out uh, with a simple topic of religion versus science. It was based on some conversations and actually a book I read in the last few weeks that, that stirred this uh, thought about doing this podcast. But I like to <laughs> always dig down deep to the underlying, you might say, presuppositions or the MO, uh, modus operandi, of why certain things happen in culture and in our thinking. Um, and when I started doing it, it unraveled a huge, I call it Olympic swimming pool, size area of of information and i have the task of trying to to narrow this down into a coffee cup <laughs> and i have to do it in an organized way and i was thinking about this just before i, I came on uh, i used to work at mayo clinic and it was a very uh i, I loved working there it was a very truth-centered uh, medical practice that everything we said and did we had to back it up with evidence and I really appreciate the years I spent there, but I was at a research meeting in Boston with, uh, and I'd always go with a group of scientists from uh, Mayo Clinic, and we were all sitting together. And usually these meetings are very, very good, and they're very easy to understand for someone who works in the area. We worked in migraine headache. Um, and one day, and I don't know where this guy came from. He was a, a physician, uh, older physician, and he got up and did a talk. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is total nonsense. He has no clue what he's talking about. And my boss sitting beside me, Dr. Swanson, is a very smart man and a very kind man. <laughs> We're sitting there in silence. And he just whispered so I could hear him. Does anyone know what the hell this man is trying to say? Uh, so I had this fear that I'll try to put this this talks together and that's will be going through the minds of people uh, of what in the world am I talking about? So I'm going to try to work very hard and put this in an orderly way uh, to address these topics. And I have to add it, the other challenge is I've been on a new chemo program for drugs and two of them are notorious for causing insomnia. And last night I think I had three hours sleep, which was a good night, but it's been accumulating over now four weeks of just extreme sleep deprivation and uh, sometimes almost to the point of Looney Tunes. So anyway, I'm trying to use my brain, what's left of it, to organize this in a way. So I, I title this Religion versus Science, but I, a better title, which I wanted to use but knew it would be more confusing, is what we're talking about is evidence versus social dogma. Now, in the world of medicine, I'm really glad that we, uh, it's probably in the 90s, there was a, a rise of so-called natural medicine. And that has a philosophical root uh, in uh, uh, Jean uh, Rousseau, uh, a French philosopher in the 18th century, who declared that nature left alone is perfect. Um, and every time humans touch it, every time they touch it, they degrade nature. Now that's not a <clears throat> an idea that's consistent with Christianity. As a matter of fact, 
Jean-Jacques Rousseau was uh, reacting against his Calvinist father and grandfather. I think his grandfather was a preacher, a Calvinist preacher in Switzerland. But it's also inconsistent with uh, the atheistic view of uh, evolution because a, a, a true atheist would not say that evolution has achieved perfection, uh, that there's flaws. But anyway, this idea that nature uh, is perfect, and if you touch it by taking something from nature and putting it in a pill through a lab, suddenly it's degraded and worse. So natural medicine came about and started being very critical uh, of, until this day it is, uh, of Western medicine, but they used the term Western medicine. But now if you go to China, Japan, uh, all those places that they used to call Eastern medicine, they're all doing evidence-based medicine, at least the successful ones are. Now they still do things like acupuncture and some things like that, which uh, is fine and has some benefit. But there's this attack on Western medicine based on this philosophical idea that Western medicine contaminates nature by the way that we uh, uh, practice. But Western medicine changed their name to evidence-based medicine because that's really what separates us. Now, if you sit and watch TV, you'll see all these supplements advertised uh, to, to weight loss, burn fat. To, a big one now is to make the brain work better. Uh, give you more energy, make you look younger. All those are bogus. Pretty much all of them are bogus. Melatonin has a little bit of benefit for sleep, but it by itself, it's dangerous. Uh, I mean, there's some fears that it uh, affects the brain in a negative way over time. But the difference is those natural things, we all love natural things. I mean, we in Western medicine or evidence-based medicine would prefer if all of our treatments came directly from a plant without any intervention, but and simply they study those things and they, they don't work. When I was at Mayo Clinic, they'd had a very big trial of vitamins, all kinds of vitamins to treat dementia. And when they were done after about four or five years, they found zero benefit from all these supplements. So you say, well, on TV, they said these clinically proven. Um, well, they just simply lie. Um, in the 1990s, um, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I'm going to try to prove my point here. In the 1990s, um, uh, Senator Hatch from Utah passed a bill that removed uh, natural treatments from the FDA's supervision. So they started making all kinds of claims. And his son was the president of a natural health food company. So that's why he did it. Uh, but anyway, the point is, <laughs> when they say clinically proven, it's bogus. Now, there are things, I mean, even drugs, you know, I'm on all these terrible chemotherapies, they all start in nature, uh, but they, they go through clinical trials to prove that they're safe and effective uh, per the FDA supervision. Now, unfortunately, these days, and this is going to tie into my whole topic, uh, the natural uh, medicine people, not all of them, I don't put them all in the same category, but a lot of them, like those on TV, like Dr. Oz promotes a lot of these, uh, not only are they lying, uh, but they create conspiracy theories about Western medicine or evidence-based medicine, that big pharma is out to hurt you and to make you sick and to make money. Well, you know, I'm not saying that big pharma has a heart of gold. If it was not for the FDA, they probably would do that, but the FDA doesn't allow them to do that. So anyway, my point is uh, what I'm really talking about is evidence, finding truth through evidence versus social coercion or mores or dogma. Um, 
So this idea of seeking truth is really the flagship of everything I, I talk about. And I try not to be redundant, but I, I'm looking and these podcasts go out through my webpage and also through, uh, I think last time I said Amazon, it's actually, I'm in Apple. And so I know like a dozen or so people listen to them and some randomly, I can't tell, but randomly pick one up. So I have to repeat some of these things. And that is in 1990, after spending 30 years in hardcore evangelicalism, I left it. And the reason I left it, and I may illustrate this in this talk or next talk, was due to dishonesty, mostly emotional dishonesty and manipulation of other people. Um, and then in a very clear morning, I was living in Egypt, Cairo, Egypt. I got up and I prayed, God, I want to seek truth at all costs. And if, in truth, if I don't find God, that's okay. But if God is there, you would find him in the area, in the realm of reality, in the realm of truth, not in the realm of lies. We were, had this bad habit of lying a lot in my evangelical group. And I want to get away from that. I want to be honest to myself and honest um, uh, to the world around me. And that's been my, my journey. Now, when I do these podcasts, I want to make this clear again, which I've repeated. My, my task is not trying to argue with evangelicals or people who, and I'm going to say things on this podcast that's going to be upsetting to some people. Uh, but my, that's not my task. In the 90s, I tried that. When I, came, I left Christianity, when I came back to it, I thought I could fix it. I can't. Uh, I don't argue with them anymore. And I love them. Uh, I still have a huge amount of friends in the evangelical world. And I love them. I think they're wonderful people. Um, and so it's nothing like I'm mad at them or hate them or want to argue with them. Again, once again, <clears throat> I see myself... And the only reason I still do these podcasts is that there is a mass exodus out of the Christian church starting in Europe probably 100 years ago, and now it's in America. It's happened very rapidly, uh, and it, it's accelerating. And I see myself standing at the back door of the church, people leaving and saying, you know, before you leave, consider this. So that's what these podcasts are about. Consider this. So in this area of truth, when I said I want to pursue truth, truth is a very abused word, as is, as is the word facts. Uh, what I mean by truth is not a spiritual truth or a Christian truth or a personal truth. It's the classical Greek understanding of truth when early philosophers first started discussing this and that which is consistent with reality. And that's all I'm trying to do. I want to find that which is consistent with reality. And as I said in other talks, uh, the way we're put together, now you can look at it from an evolutionary standpoint if you want. It doesn't bother me. Uh, or a creator standpoint. Um, and is that the way that we are built is that we have several parts of our brains. We have the parts that perceive uh, senses. And I'm talking about all of them, touch, feeling, Uh, vision, hear, hearing, all those things. And that collects data from the reality around us. And then we have a cognitive part of our brains that processes that data into meaningful information. And then the emotions get involved with that too. The emotions, um, I just had this conversation the other day, um, was about uh, 
uh, Brian was saying that uh, uh, we evolved uh, not to be uh, reasonable, but to survive. And that's true, that the emotions are very much tied in survival. And I've given the illustration before, say if a tribe moved to a new land where there's now poisonous snakes and they have never seen poisonous snakes and one bites someone in the tribe and that person dies. So they perceive this data from the environment that this particular snake, when it bites you, you die. And then after they figure that out rationally, uh, I mean, then it becomes emotional response. They're walking through the jungle and here's that same snake and their heart beats fast and they take off running. That's an emotional response to what they've uh, collected data. So it's survival. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm just moving ahead here. I want to talk about why I'm bringing this up now uh, is that we're in, a, we're in a crisis of truth uh, in, in America or in the West and probably I would say the whole world. And it's not the worst crisis that we've ever experienced. So, you know, I'm not a, you know, everything's bad, <laughs> uh, Debbie Downer view of this. I mean, the dark ages for 500 years, from roughly the year 500 to year 1000 in Europe, didn't affect the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, the Muslim world uh, excelled in science and math during that time, while Europe did not. And it was, I'm going to be very frank with you, uh, I spent a lot of time studying church history. The reason was the church intended to oppress society, and they did it under, well, they used a platonic philosophy saying that the only thing that's important is the spiritual, and the church held all the power of the spiritual, and therefore there was no place for curiosity about anything, uh, about life, about science, about art, unless it was related to the church. And people who put a, uh, a uh, positive spin on church history, I do not, uh, would say, well, that's the way God intended it, blah, blah, blah. That was a very good time in human history. It, I say it, it was not. And I'm be very ruthless to say that it was due to the church's lust for power, sex, and money. And that's the truth, uh, that they wanted to have control over society. Well, eventually it led to the uh, Renaissance and then the, and then the uh, uh, awakening and, and the age of reason in Europe, which I think was a very positive thing. But now we've, we're drifting back into um, an age, a, a, a light dark age, and it will never go back to the dark age that it was because uh, reason has helped humanity so much. Now, the problem with reason, it's not perfect. And it has led to wars. It's led to terrible bombs. It's led to all kinds of bad things. But it's also taken the human life span from the Middle Ages from 28 years to 76 years. And plus, the life that we have is so much more comfortable. And it's due to reason. Um, <clears throat> but now, I think the culprit is several things of why there's an erosion of truth. And probably the biggest player, I mean, you could break it down to a lot of different reasons and uh, it'd be too long for this podcast, but one big one is of course, electronic media. Not so much uh, televised, when we have two or three main TV channels, 
But once you got the cable TV and you could split it up to a thousand viewpoints, and then you get social media, we can split it up to millions of viewpoints, where you can go from someone's basement, <laughs> or in this case, uh, my second story uh, bedroom in my house, looking out the window, directly to the whole world uh, with information, that it's so much easier to put uh, a plethora of uh, competing opinions out there and it makes it dilutes truth um, <clears throat> now when I was going to discuss this area of truth uh, I, I want to talk about a religious truth and because I'm going to eventually get to to religion versus science but on and then after you know a lot of times I'll get into a lot of different religions and, and atheism but I'm going to really focus on white evangelicalism because that was my background for half my life so in the conservative Christian side, which is the white evangelical primarily, uh, truth is being assassinated for the sake of power. And I would say power, sex, and money, but especially power. Now you might say it, power, sex, and money. Well, I just saw a uh, documentary on Netflix last night about a cult and all cults and, and you know, extreme points are very good for defining things. But all cults end up with this leader, usually a man, uh, who feels empowered by God and always ends up getting money, getting power. And the last step is God spoke to me. And that's what happened to this cult leader last night. God spoke to him to have sex with all the young girls uh, in the church. And all the parents agreed to that and thought it was wonderful. But, but that's what I mean, this, this uh, MO, this underlying psychological thing of power is one of the reasons that we, we sacrifice truth. And I think that's what's happening in the white evangelical church. I'm going to get into that more uh, next time. Uh, on the left side of that, uh, the Oprah version of religion is all religions are the same. And they give up, they sacrifice truth for peace, social peace. So there's no reason to convert people. There's no reason to argue or have different opinions. Um, but the problem with that side is that you cannot give up absolute truth without, without giving up morals or the aspiration of morals. And I've discussed that before in other talks as well. I may com come back next time with that. But people who, who give up truth, they claim, well, the people on the right don't claim to give up truth. They just redefine truth as their subculture dogma. Uh, but on the left side, they actually say we're giving up absolute truth, but no one really does give up truth because 99% of our lives is saturated in absolute truth. From the time we wake up in the morning to stepping up and putting our shoes on, putting our pants on, everything is immersed in, in absolute truth. It's only the big questions is where we're starting to uh, challenge the concept of absolute truth. Uh, so in, in closing, this, um, I want to just tell you what prompted me um, back in the winter, and I'm going to run out of time, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to hold it to next time uh, what I was going to say. But next time I'm going to get into specifics. Uh, I'm going to illustrate the loss of truth. Then I'm going to really dive into this science versus religion issue. And again, the way things are going, it, this might take three, three talks. But thanks so much. I hope this is not confusing at this point, just to lay a foundation. And next time we'll pick up on this foundation and move forward. Thank you for listening.